Hello and welcome at Book Lovers Companion. My name is Edith and right next to me is my lovely co-host, the Chattering Teacup. Hello. Here with us from the west coast of the United States, children's book publisher, producer, writing and law professor, Kathleen Troy. Hello Kathleen and welcome at Book Lovers Companion. Thank you for having me. It's <laughs> lovely to be here. It's lovely to have you, and we are here to talk about your lovely books, your Dylan Stalk Squad series, most of all, but you have also started another series, never your Never Believe series. Yes. But we are here to talk about life and writing under the paw, of course. <laughs> so, Wonderful. <laughs> Kathleen, what can you tell us about getting your... Dylan's Dog Squad series started. How did it happen? When did it happen? And why did it happen? Okay. Well, all of my life I've had dogs and I love dogs and I've trained dogs and all my dogs have been wonderful and fabulous. So the true story, the true aspect, I guess, of the Dylan's Dog Squad series is friends of mine in South Korea were getting a dog. And I said, you really need to train him. Dogs love a purpose. You know, they love a job. And they went, oh, no, Kathleen, you don't know what you're talking about. We want a bohemian dog with no restrictions. And I said, well, you might want to think that. So uh, they got an American Cocker Spaniel. Mm -hmm. And he proceeded to eat their apartment, all the electrical wiring, all the furniture. He ate the interior of their BMW. Mm. And the part that I found hysterical, but they did not, <laughs> that he ate their wedding pictures and the negatives. Oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they decided his time was up. And I said, it's not too late. You can get him training. And he said, there is no training in South Korea. We're going to send him to you And then you can find him a good home. Hmm. So I said, all right, I'll do my best. So Dylan traveled 27 hours in cargo hold from South Korea to Los Angeles International Airport. And as it turned out, his crate was only big enough for him to stand up in or sit down in. Hmm. He knocked the water bottle over. So he had no water, oh, freezing temperatures, hot temperatures, horrible, horrible traveling conditions. So when I met him at Korean Air uh, at the LAX, I opened the door and he just stared at me with those big brown <laughs> spaniel eyes. And again, I love dogs, but nobody does that mommy stare better than a cocker spaniel. <laughs> <laughs> and he just sat there and he wouldn't come out. And I said, okay, little buddy, do you want to go home? And he was like, hmm, I don't know. <laughs> so we started training and Dylan's story is a wonderful one. It turned out that he was actually the best dog I ever had. Um, he um, could contact 911 with a special device. He could count to 10. He was bilingual understanding English and Korean. Cool. He knew all of the rooms in the house, uh, difference from a truck, a car, an SUV, uh, new sign language. He had an incredible nose. He could detect a dead body under 10 feet of water. I'm not really sure how they test it, but they do. 
Um, search and rescue Wandem and drug enforcement Wandem. Um, he went on to become mascot at Cypress College, which is the school that I teach at. And he went to school with me every day. And we were never, ever, ever apart. Um, the only time was when he went to the groomers. Oh. So that's the ground story of Dylan. So okay. the way the books came about mm-hmm. was, um, <laughs> here I've got this wonderful pup. <laughs> and I want the world to know him. And so um, with middle grade books, you obviously have to have children as the protagonist. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I created a story where Dylan lived with an American professor in South Korea. Mm-hmm. He got the dog too much trouble. And so he sent him to his 12-year-old brother, Casey, who lives in Brea, California, which is Orange County, home of Disneyland. Okay. <laughs> and Casey is thrilled to have Dylan, mm-hmm. but Casey the mother is not so they have 30 days dylan to become a good dog <laughs> and keep become a good pet owner or else so they start the training they start the process and uh, they want to do search and rescue and in the first book uh, which is dylan's dilemma there's a lot of adventures and misadventures um dylan gets uh dog napped okay <laughs> but if you look a little deeper into the story and all the books, really. Mm-hmm. It's really about pet responsibility and then the unbreakable bonds of friendship between a boy and his dog. Mm-hmm. We've read the newest of your books, Dylan's Hawaiian Ghost, which came out in April this year. And yes. it was a wonderful read, wasn't mm-hmm. it, Teacup? Yeah. Very enjoyable. Oh, nice one. Thank you. Nice and, thank- and funny. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned, you, you just mentioned when you described um, what Dylan is capable of, you said him having this good nose and detecting a dead body. So, which reminds me of a um, something, one of the forensic uh, um, medical uh, professors said in a... Um, when she gave a lecture about, you know, her job and so on. And uh, it came to the question of uh, getting a pet. And her mm-hmm. advice was never, ever get a dog. Mm-hmm. Because most of the bodies were found by dog owners uh, going out, walking the dogs. Get mm-hmm. a fish, get a cat. But <laughs> if you don't want to find a body, don't get a dog. <laughs> That's good advice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And I mean, you said it's all about also about um, pet responsibility and what you just said about the the friends of yours who were Dylan's owner before that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not a cat. I mean, I, I, we we realize that we are staff. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, of course you are. <laughs> yeah, let's be honest here. When you, when you own the, a cat, the difference between cats and dogs is a cat trains you. Yeah, true. But with a dog, you have to train the dog because the dog needs someone, yeah. needs a leader more or less. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like you said, a purpose. Yes. And usually, wouldn't you also agree that uh, in most cases, the problem is at the other end of the leash? Oh, yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, going back to his original owners, they had him for over a year. And when he came to me, he wasn't housebroken and he didn't know his own name. That's just lazy. Mm. That's just lazy. And the first week we had three accidents in the house, but that was because I got, oh, happy dog mixed up with, I got to go out. 
But he, seriously, he was the best dog I've ever had. And he was the smartest. They want to please you. And they're highly motivated by food, which makes yeah. them easy to train. And there really just is no excuse for it. Mm. I think where people make a mistake is they um, buy a dog or they acquire a dog with a cute little fuzzy face. And they're all adorable. But they don't research the dog. And most mm. dogs really bred or their purpose was to hunt foxes or um, other type of game or to root out vermin and things like that or to herd cattle Mm -hmm. and then wonder gee (laughs) why do they need so much exercise gee why are they chewing on things yeah gee well well yeah but you're right it's at the other end of the leash i thoroughly believe that Mm -hmm. you said when you write books for middle grade uh, which age group is that approximately So it is between eight and 12. There's really no set age. And my audience are eight to 12 year olds. Um, girls will read anything. No, they'll <laughs> read anything. But I also have another group of just animal lovers, people mm-hmm. who love a dog story. And you know, as I mentioned in the books, the boys, um, it's actually Casey, who's a boy and their best friend, Sumo. They get into a lot of trouble. They have a lot of misadventures and, and things like that. But there's always a satisfactory ending. There's always a good ending. Mm-hmm. And the boys and Dylan always solve the problem, which is the basis of any middle grade book. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, sometimes people just want a nice story, you know, yeah. something to read on the airplane or on the beach or something that they're not going to be miserable when they finish. They're actually going to feel good and feel happy about. Mm. Yeah, something to read and just make you smile. Yes, indeed. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, something to enjoy, mm. like we did when we read yeah. the latest Dillard Adventure. Thank you. Well, yeah, that was a fun book to write because Everything that Dylan does in these books, he actually did in real life or it's based on truth. And I remember trying to teach him to surf. (laughs) (laughs) And um, he caught on pretty quickly. We had a long board and it had a traction pad. And so um, once he figured out if he stayed on the traction pad, he was okay. Mm -hmm. Um, But he liked zip lining. Um, People would always ask me, does Dylan really like to do all these things? And I say, well... I give him the signal, which is this, and then, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. let's go to work. And, you know, he was out, so he never said no. <laughs> <laughs> so I think so. <laughs> I find it funny in, in the book when, because you you write Dylan's um, uh, yeah. thoughts, let's put it mm-hmm. that way, and he's very enthusiastic. Yes. <laughs> even if he doesn't know what they're talking about. <laughs> and I think it gets him into situations where he... Maybe I should have said no. Yes, yes. But he wants to be in the thick of things. You know, he loves Casey and he just loves to be. He wants to be part of the the action. Mm, very true. And tell us where did the characters come from? The the, the boys and the mother and uh, they call them the mom mafia, I think, in the book. <laughs> Because mm, <laughs> Well, you know, <laughs> okay, so backing up a little bit, with middle grade books, again, the, the reader is going to be eight to 12. Mm-hmm. And so my characters are 12. So you have to make it realistic. So yes, my character is 12. Yes, they have 
um, a lot of independence, but they still have a mom. And in Casey's case, she's a very good mom. You know, she keeps track of them and things like that. So you have to build a story where it's logical and realistic that the boys can actually get away from her. And even though she does check up on them, you know, they still have that wiggle room and that's when they usually end up getting into trouble. (laughs) So, uh, well, okay, so I'll be honest, okay. Casey, um, Casey is my middle name. So it's Kathleen calling Casey Mm. Troy. And I uh, picture him a lot like me. When I was growing up, um, I was the one who was always going, hey, do you want to, you know? <laughs> um, and uh, I had a lot of freedom growing up and to the point where, you know, how your parents are always asking, well, who are you going to go with? And you would say, well, I'm going with. Um, if my friends said, well, we're going with Kathleen, the parents went, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, so I was always the one out and about and doing things and organizing things. So um, Casey, I wanted to be a likable boy, but I wanted his uh, flaws to be, he doesn't always think it through. He, he has a plan, but they're not always really good plans. And Dylan at times is the smarter one going, uh, you know, hmm, yeah. And uh, then I had to have their friend Sumo. And Sumo, the name is rather misleading unless you start with the first book and read through. And Sumo and Casey were best friends in grade school. And Sumo was a skinny uh, kid. His name is Sterling Ulysses Mo Dragon Third, And uh, he was always getting beaten up a lot. So Casey wanted to be the friend. And said, we're going to give you a good name. We're going to give you Sumo. But he never grew into the name. But Sumo is the Google freak. Uh, He reads a lot. Uh, He has a good memory. He's got these statistics off the top of his head. So he can be the voice of reason, too. And that's a sneaky way on my part (laughs) to actually introduce some information to my young readers about something. Um, So... As you mentioned, the Hawaiian book, Dylan's Hawaiian Ghost, I didn't want to make it a tourist book, but I wanted to mention some things like King Kamehameha, um, the Sacred Falls, a little bit about the Hawaiian culture and things like that. And in the back of the book, there's a glossary of Hawaiian Mm -hmm. words. And so there's a little nudge into that. So if the readers wanted to, they could look a little farther and get some information. So the mom... I think that's probably a grown-up version of me um, in that um, I'm someone who's very detail-oriented and I'm rather meticulous and um, I would definitely want to know where my child was, okay? But um, you can't watch your child every second and you have to put them out in the world with with a bank of trust. Sometimes it's a little bank of trust, um, but you do allow them to grow. So Mm -hmm. I think... They balance out nicely. Mm. Do you think that it was easier when you were young, when we were young, Teacup, when we were young? Oh, that sounds... Anyway, do you <laughs> do you think it was easier back then for parents to let go a little bit? Well, it was for me. Um, I had very unusual... They really weren't my parents. They're the people who raised me. And that's a story for another time. And uh, they were delightful, wonderful wonderful people. Absolutely clueless. I grew up in a town in Cornwall, England, and my parents, 
Yes. My parents were always saying, well, come home when the street lights come on. We didn't have any street lights. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, I just came home, whatever. And if um, something were to happen, they would say, ah, she's fine. And I was always fine. So I typically say to others, I raised two parents. Uh, <laughs> they were just delightful people. Um they were the only parents in my class at school that were absolutely forbidden to be um, class chaperones because there was one time we went to a monastery on a field trip and they lost the kids. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that was growing up with them, you know. So, uh, yeah, so life was easier with me. And again, that was probably why my um, friends' parents were like, no, you're not going with Catholic. You know, who knows what will happen to you? Yeah, oh, I think it was back then it was also easier for children to get away because mm. the technology mm. to um, supervise, let's say, mm. um, <laughs> children or someone else wasn't available. True. Because yeah. now parents more or less have to decide to use it or not. Yeah. Those mm -hmm. in your books, yeah. um, they're sometimes found out by mom radar, not just mom radar, but, yeah, but just uh, also by technology because it's online. Yeah, it goes on video, it goes viral, and things like that. And and I'm going to say too, I think nowadays parents have a much harder job. There is reason to be afraid yeah. to let yeah. your child out in the world. There's there's a reason for that. And um, good values only go so far. You know, a child can be overcome. You know, in a situation, and they only have the ability to reason so far. Mm. So I do understand parents' concern nowadays, but you know, I remember being a, a child and just how much fun it was. Mm. Uh, I was so busy being busy. I'm not really sure at what, <laughs> but I had a great time. And so I try to put that great time into my books too. Um, and as I mentioned, they do get into a lot of trouble from time to time, um, but it's nothing horrible. I mean, it's nothing that they're going to go to juvenile hall for. Um, Well, actually, I'll take that back. Okay, in the third, <laughs> in the third book, I was writing it; things were going too smoothly, so I got the boys and Dylan arrested. You know, yes, so <laughs> yes, yes, yes. It's mentioned again in book four. Yes, they were still on probation, um, but none of us really bad. You know, I, I think yeah. when a parent reads this, they enjoy it and they have a good time too. And um, I get the support of a lot mm. of parents. A lot of my um, And I think this is encouraging. Um, when I'm doing book signings, mm -hmm. uh, I'll have a parent say, well, I'll read the book first. And I say, oh, please do. Or they'll pick it up and they'll ask um, what the content is. And so I explain. And they want to know, is there any foul language? Um, is there any extreme violence? Is there any sex? And I, I think, no, 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 no. Mm -hmm. You know, it's all mm -hmm. kid fun, if mm -hmm. you will. It's kid fun, things that you probably did too. Okay. <laughs> so I'm, I'm encouraged and I like the support of parents because I think that they want this to be a good reading experience for their child. I will point out in the back, you know, the glossary about American Sign Language and it builds from book to book um, and how um, like in the first book, there's some Korean words and phrases. In the fourth book, there's Hawaiian words and phrases mm -hmm. and things like that. And they like that. And mm -hmm. I think they appreciate that too. They see that it's being sneakily introduced. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And may I ask, since you mentioned that you grew up in the UK, um, the famous five, 
Were they a teeny tiny inspiration? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. How could they not be? How yeah, could they not? True. Yes. <laughs> you know, and I think that's true. People always ask me, where do you get your ideas? And <clears throat> I think we're human sponges anyway. But also growing up, my I grew up in a time and in England, you know, very polite. Uh, children were seen and not hurt. Not in my family. <laughs> At the dinner table, I know. At the dinner table, you were expected to contribute. Ah. And so all day I would be watching and you know looking at something and looking at people and, th and thinking oh that's interesting or, or, or this was a funny reaction so I would have something to contribute that night at the dinner table and so it, I'm probably a natural snoop anyway <laughs> and it just cultivated that but I find people interesting fascinating I love it when uh, I learn someone from another country I, I am so um, inspired and in awe when I hear people that say they speak several languages. Uh, I just think that's fabulous. And I want to, you know, bring that along to my readers, um, open up the world a little bit for them. Mm -hmm. The world's a big place. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I learned something when I read your book. I mean, I about didn't Hawaii. know yeah, yeah about Hawaii and Hawaiian culture because mm -hmm. I didn't know they only had, only had, or only have 13 letters. In the yes. alphabet, and every every word more or less ends with a vowel. Mm -hmm. Yes, which makes pronunciation so much easier yeah. once you learn that. Because I used to struggle. Um, I'd been to Oahu and the other Hawaiian islands many, many times, but I went back to Oahu last summer just to kind of make sure I had everything right. Yeah. And um, you know, I've got the map and I've got ways, but you know. Um, so once I figured that out, once I learned that, I was almost as good as everybody else. You know, I was doing okay. Oh, okay. Oahu, wonderful island. Um, it's 208 miles around, and I had rented a car so mm -hmm. I could be free from. And last summer, we had high gas prices and things like that. And they offered this wonderful deal for $95. You could fill up your car the time that you were in Oahu. Okay. I brought it back. And there's 3,000 miles on the car. <laughs> and they said, our island's only 208 miles around. I said, there was so much to see. You know, I <laughs> and I did. Saw it again and again and oh. again. Yeah. Oh, mm -hmm. Did they discontinue this possibility of the $95 after that? I believe they probably did. <laughs> <laughs> you are to blame then. Oh, dear. Yes, oh, it, dear. Was, it was most enjoyable during the time. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine, absolutely. And on a more um, serious note or more somber note, I read on your homepage that you train service dogs for hospice work. Yes. So I actually no longer train dogs, but I have done that. In fact, that's what Dylan actually ended up doing because if he were to go search and rescue, which they mm -hmm. really wanted him, I would have to donate about 70 hours a month, and I didn't have that time for that. Um, and DEA, again, they really wanted him, but I would have to have given him up for a handler, being the selfish person that I am, and I was thoroughly in love with him at the time. That was a no. And I 
always got the same reaction when I brought Dylan somewhere. He, you know, he's very fluffy. And people will say, is he poodle? Is he a cocker spaniel? He's so fluffy. And I say, yes, I know he looks like Ugg boots. You know, he just this big Ugg <laughs> And so um, he loved people. He was very socialized. Um, if there was um, something going on, he'd be over there with the adults. You know, he was there with the people. And so I thought, well, gosh, you know, why fight this? He likes people. And so I trained him for hospice. And he knew when someone was mm. actively dying. And again, I'm not really sure exactly how it works, but I remember we went to this one um, client of ours and her family was there and I hadn't met them before. And Dylan thought this was great because he could uh, either sit in a wheelchair or in a hospital bed. Yeah. <laughs> and so he was in the hospital bed and um, I just had this sense that maybe I was intruding. So I said, you know what? We'll come back. And they said, oh, no, that's Dylan. We know all about Dylan. And she had told them about Dylan. But while Dylan was sitting there, he started to um, get a little anxious. And that was the clue. I knew she was actively dying, mm -hmm. even though it wasn't apparent. And mm -hmm. so I just said, uh, let me call the nurse. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I called the nurse and she passed. And he she passed away. And so it was very sad. But Dylan just loved being with people. Um, and, you know, when I would take him to school, my students would come up to me and I say, may I help you? And they go, no, we just want to pet Dylan. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> so <laughs> he just gave a lot to himself, to people. So that turned out to be the good fit. And then the thing that I think with the coup de grace to his um, hospice service career mm -hmm. is that Paul Evans, a longtime friend of mine, the most intelligent man I've ever met. And he was an athlete, developed ALS, mm -hmm. and it hit him hard and immediately. And so he was um, Dylan's client at the end. Mm -hmm. And I thought, how wonderful. He gave so much to Dylan during his life. And Dylan was able to give so much to him at mm -hmm. the end. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, when I would bring Dylan in, um, you know, they had big floppy ears. And I'd say, you know, could you look at his ears? You know, I, he's shaking his head a little bit. And so Paul would look at his ears. And I think it was a way for him to, you know, be active still as a vet and not concentrate on this illness. And mm -hmm. yeah. we were there yeah. at the end. And yeah. um, it was very sad for us, but... It was a glorious moment because you know, yeah. he was a wonderful friend and yeah. uh, meant so much to Dylan. Yeah. So. And he wasn't alone. He wasn't alone. Yeah. And nobody should ever be alone. Mm -hmm. On a more upbeat note, do you think since you are also a lecturer, writing, law professor, and you always uh, visit schools because of your books, do you <laughs> think that every school should have Either a dog or a cat? Well, my first answer would be yes, because <laughs> why not? But I do understand that many children are allergic. Mm. There's so many sensitivities and things like that. But I think maybe it would be nice if we could have a dedicated time mm -hmm. where if they did want to come and just sit with them, that would be a good thing. Mm -hmm. um, very quickly, I'll tell you one of my first school visits. Um, I'm a planner. <laughs> Give me a task. I got it. Okay. <laughs> so I was supposed to go to a second grade class. All right. Um, little people. 
And I was going to talk about the craft of writing. And I asked the teacher, do they even know what craft is? And she goes, oh, yes, no problem. We've been talking about stories. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I come in with Dylan. I've got all my um, you know, information. We're going to do this. I'm going to be there for two hours with little second graders. These are several <laughs> people. So I'm all set, ready to go. As soon as we walk into the classroom, it's like, oh, he's so fluffy. Why is his nose brown? Does he like pizza? I have a brother, but I don't like him. I want a dog. So <laughs> the teacher turns to me and she says, okay, I'll leave you to it. I'm like, what? <laughs> she says, I'll be back in two hours. And I go, oh, no, no, no. I, I'm sure that's against the rules. You know, you can stay. And she said, no, I'll be back in two hours. So here are all these little people, 27 little people, and they could care less about the craft of writing. (laughs) But I've got two hours. Um, That is a long time with 27 little people. So what did we do? Well, forget about the plan. Uh, We sat on the floor. Everybody who wanted to took turns sitting next to Dylan, okay, and asking a question. And Dylan thought about it a lot. Okay, I, I helped him here and there. Okay. But then we did the old uh, game of telephone. I'm sure you're familiar with it. Mm-hmm. You know, start with sentence and build. Actually, they did great. They were just, I love kids' imaginations. There is nothing better than a kid's imagination and their confidence. You know, I love it when you go into a class and you say, who could draw? All the little hands go in the air. <laughs> if you were to try that with adults, oh, no, I can't draw. No, possibly. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And what do we do to these people along the way? But when they're little, they've got confidence, they've got enthusiasm, they've got energy, and it's fabulous. And um, it went well. (laughs) Uh, It went well. Dylan had a great time. The kids had a great time. I had a great time. But yeah, it's a good experience. I'm just asking because, you know, uh, cats rule the internet. We We all know that. And maybe dogs rule other parts of the internet because uh, cats certainly rule Twitter. And there are quite a few interesting or famous cats on Twitter. I mean, uh, when I ask this question about schools, there is this school in the in the UK and they have their own cat. I mean, now they have two cats, Scylla mm-hmm. and Bobby. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, Warwick University also has a cat. Mm-hmm. So why not? Why not? Why not? Why not? I think if you can make it available to those who want it and to give the distance for those who can't. Okay. Yeah. You know, and I meet some people who are afraid of animals mm-hmm. and maybe it's the way they're brought up. Maybe it's the experience that they had. Mm-hmm. I remember one of my adult students, uh, when she saw Dylan, she was like, oh, I'm afraid of him. I'm afraid of him. Get him away. And Dylan was like, what? Um, and I said, you can't be afraid of him. He's so fluffy. You know? I mean, yeah. But I think, you know, if people can maybe be exposed to something, you know, they can learn, you know, they can try, they can overcome. Yeah. If their experience is so bad, I, I, I can, I can understand that viewpoint too, but it's such a shame. Um, you know, we were talking earlier and every animal has something to offer. You know, I, I love cats too. I mean, I, I love, love, love cats. I love their quirks, their characteristics, the way you run your hand down their back and their tail will shimmer. <laughs> uh, 
I love the inside of their ears. There's nothing softer than that. I love all animals. I, I, I truly do. The current book that I'm writing on, it's uh, Dylan's Nose, or mm-hmm. his nose, Nose, K-N-O-W-S. Um, the boys and Dylan are in Lake Arrowhead on a horse ranch. Mm. So um, they are spending time with horses and things like that. And again, not every child gets to experience a horse, but I want to bring it to the reader to the point where they might say, well, gosh, you know, I would like to touch a horse. <laughs> I'd like to see what a horse is like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. the smaller the animal, the less people are afraid of them. Because That's true. Horses are often quite big, so you've got respect. Excuse you me, the smaller the animal, I mean, a bee or a bumblebee or a wolf. Okay, pets. Um, Okay, pets. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> <pets>. <laughs> the qualification there, yeah. Uh, you know, and again, I I respect that. You know, I I travel a lot, and again, I, people always ask me, "Are you afraid of animals or things like that?" And I was in South Africa a few years ago, and I was probably eight feet away from two Siberian tigers, and they're twelve hundred pounds each. And I say, "No, I'm not afraid, but I have immense respect for all animals." Um, I live in a canyon where I have coyotes, I have roadrunners, I have bunnies, I have tarantulas, I have a bobcat named Robert who lives on my property. <laughs> I got to name him something. You know? Yeah, true. Um, so, you know, I love and respect all animals. And I do believe that there's a balance in nature. They all serve a purpose. Some I'm a little more thrilled about than others. Okay. But they are all there. But I, I think just... If nothing else, greet an animal with an open mind. Um, Be respectful. Um, You know, if it's a dog or a cat, just don't lunge toward it or um, make a sudden move. Ask the owner if you can pet the pet, Um, you know, if they're shy, you know, if they're friendly. If they say no, then respect that. You know, respect that. You know, animals have rights too. (laughs) Yep. Absolutely. And maybe also ask you about your other series, your Never Believe series, because oh. uh, book one is already out. Uh, yes. Book two is in the coming or? In the coming. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. It's from um, an older age group, I guess. This is young adult. My character is 13, almost 14. So it'd be the younger young adult. Mm-hmm. And well, since you asked. <laughs> yeah, um, of course. Sage is living in Las Vegas, and he's a down-and-out junior con artist. And he um, had a low-life con artist father, and uh, the father dies in a game of chicken. And um, the father will not be missed, let's just say that. (laughs) So Sage is sent to live with family he never knew he had in Connecticut, which he considers to be the end of the earth. (laughs) So he is going to stay there just long enough to steal their valuables in their car and go to Florida. So, yeah. So he discovers a 19-year-old murder with a million-dollar reward, and he figures for a million bucks he can stick around. So he gets to Connecticut and his grandparents, and to his amazement, they're nice, (laughs) and they actually want him. And he also thinks, well, for a million bucks, I could stick around. (laughs) Unfortunately, the murderer wants him very, very dead. So the story 
brings him through this process. He's trying to find out who the murderer is. He wants to collect the million dollar reward. Um, he starts to find life going well for him. Every time he's at that point, the rug gets jerked out from underneath him. And um, in the end, he does solve the murder, okay? But it does not go the way that he thought it would. Mm -hmm. And he's got to fix it. He's got to fix it. Mm -hmm. So the second one, which is in progress, is never believe a con, I'm sorry, never believe a con artist twice, correct? And that's where his past is going to catch up with him. Um, he he thinks he's at a good place. I, again, this kind of the thing. Every time he thinks he's at a good place, mm -hmm. it, he's not. Mm -hmm. um, and so he is going to have to work it out. So the books are fast paced. They are longer than a middle grade book. Uh, adult readers, uh, definitely. But yet, even though it's longer, you could probably read it because you're not going to be able to put it down in a few mm. days. Mm. Yeah. And I mean, your your Dylan Squad series is about adventure. Yes. Yeah. But this sounds more like young crime. adult crime. It is. It's a murder mystery. Um, I, I can't help myself. Okay. My past <laughs> life. <laughs> I used to do criminal defense. Okay. Oh. It does carry through. I love intrigue. I love having my readers guess. I love it when my readers think they know something my characters don't. Um, again, that's probably why I employ that uh, tactic of always jerking the rug out from underneath my character. Sage is a likable boy. He's, he's had a hard life. Um, and that was a little difficult for me to write about him because I wanted to show him realistically that he had a hard life, but I didn't want to make him so brittle mm -hmm. that the readers wouldn't like him. He is flawed. He's highly motivated by money. Okay. <laughs> That's why he's doing this, but you root for him. You want him to succeed. And so there are times he makes decisions where my readers are going to be going, no, 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 no. <laughs> oh, you did it anyway. Okay. Um, so they're going to like him, but I always want to keep them guessing to the end. Mm -hmm. um, I love it when I have a reader say, I didn't expect that. I didn't see that one coming. Good. <laughs> <laughs> and compared to your other series, for you, what was the hardest part when writing this other, uh, this, this crime, more crime-based series? Well, I was in this dilemma of trying to make my character likable, but yet mm. portraying accurately. And I wish I could remember where I heard this because I would like to give that person credit. <clears throat> but the person said, never be afraid of your character. And I thought, that's right. You can't make this person picture perfect because first of all, who would believe it? And second of all, how boring is that? And what would be the natural reaction for him in this situation or that situation? So I allowed him to make these wrong moves, but yet there is a thinking process there where he's starting to reason, I have a really great life. You know, this could go well for me. Maybe I could stay. Mm -hmm. um, and then he reaches other points where he goes, no, mm -hmm. I can't. I've got to move on. I want to stay, but I can't. I've got mm -hmm. to move on. So it was hard to always keep that balance, um, but I wanted him to be moving forward. And, and I'm going to borrow this from a friend of mine. His name is Ian. I hadn't seen him in a long time. 
And he called me and I said, oh, Ian, it's so delightful to hear from you. How are you? And he said, progressing. And I thought, <laughs> you know what? I always want to have that attitude. And I want to have my character, Sage, to be in that throes as well, always progressing. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't mean he's not going to have a hiccup because he will. That's life. And there are times when he can barely keep his lips above water. But he is going to be progressing and he's going to try to find a way to make this work. He's a smart kid. He really is. Um, you know, and I think I like writing about Sage because I think he's representative of many kids these days. He's very different than Casey and Sumo in the Dylan Dog Squad series. They've got a great life. They've got a great mom. She's on them. Okay. Doesn't always work, but you know, she's on them. <laughs> Sage was an invisible kid. Nobody cared about him. Nobody. Mm. And in the book, he is taken in by child services, this woman named Agnes Spears. And she was just going to be a quick character. Um, but I loved her so much because she was crusty. Um, <laughs> she had way too many kids. He was just one more headache. And all she wanted to do was find somebody to take him off her hands and ship him off. But in book two, she's actually going to be an ally. Mm. But that is Sage's life. And I think very typical of kids today. I have so many people, and let's just say people like us who are caring and wonderful and things like that, who when they read this, they go, oh, no, that would never happen. You know, why didn't Children's Authority step in? You know, why didn't a relative come up? Why didn't this happen? Why because there's a lot of kids like Sage. There's a lot of invisible kids where no one really cares about them. Mm-hmm. And kids where they have to make their own luck. Mm-hmm. And they have to figure it out and find their own way. And some kids make it and some kids don't. And I really admire Sage a lot because he does start to realize, you know, I could have a good life. Mm-hmm. I could. Mm-hmm. And it's up to and somewhere in the book he talks about how it's never too late to choose the right path you know do the right thing and again a little subtle message to my readers um you can have had a hard life things could have gone badly for you but at some point it's up to you mm-hmm. you know either stay where you are be a victim all your life or progress yeah. move forward yeah. and also I, i suppose finding it hard for someone like him to trust adults. Yeah, he doesn't trust anybody. You know, and that's another point in um, the book. Uh, yeah, he says, I don't have trust issues. I don't trust anyone. They <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. also need a chance. Someone has oh. to give them a chance. And I think a yeah. difficult thing with um, teenagers or children is they there are a lot of things they are not allowed to decide. Mm. If you're an adult, you can change your life Let's say a bit more easily because you're the one who can decide, but children are not allowed to. Right, right. They have very little control. Um, someone t- the other day was talking about their son who um, he's autistic. And she says, gosh, you know, every day is a struggle. You know, I never know if he's going to be this way or that way. And, you know, he wants to go to school. He doesn't want to go to school. You know, and, and I said, you know, you, I didn't say you have to realize, but I said, You know, it's harder for him because he can only react one of two ways. He can succumb or he can fight back. You know, things that you and I find so easy to do or so challenging are so much harder for him, mm. so much harder. 
And that's the way it is for a lot of kids. Yeah, you know, they just don't have that ability, that capability, that voice um, to make their own decisions or do what they want to do. Mm. Yeah. They are not, they're often not taken seriously. Correct. Yeah, because of their age. Yeah, they're dismissed. Yeah. You know, they know they're just a child, they're just yeah. a kid. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And people often think they don't know what's going on. But mm. children know a lot more than oh, yes. adults um, think they do. Yes. Um, how do you think that they respond with the language that you use you should use? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're listening to it. They yeah. heard it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they watch yeah. things they shouldn't watch. And yes. didn't, didn't we do the same? I mean, seriously. Of course. Yeah. You know, yeah, didn't but, you love yeah. having a book that was way too old for you to read and you read it anyway, you know? Yeah. Yep. Yes, yep. that was yep. exciting. Yeah, or watch things you shouldn't watch. Absolutely. Or smoke cigarettes when you shouldn't smoke cigarettes. Oh, no, that wasn't you, was it? <laughs> never, <laughs> never, <laughs> never. <laughs> the more forbidden is, the more interesting it gets. Yeah, of course. Of course, of yeah, course. Definitely. And compared to writing for middle graders, what are you, maybe sound, sound stupid, but what are you allowed to put in a book for young adults, which you're not allowed to put in a book for <laughs> middle graders? Young adults, it, it's wide open. Oh. Um, believe it or not, for example, the author Jodi Picot mm -hmm. is considered upper middle grade or lower young adult. And look at what she writes about. So you can write about anything. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of things I don't think I'm good at writing, uh, maybe because just myself, I'm not. Um, for example, foul language, mm -hmm. it wouldn't be in there. Um, I'm just not that way anyway. Do teenagers swear? Of course they do. Okay. Instead, I make it a reaction. Um, mm -hmm. But you can have sex, you can have extreme violence. You look at the series, The Hunger Games. Mm -hmm. That's a middle grade series. Really? <laughs> it is. I was shocked. I, I was shocked. <laughs> I'm shocked too now. <laughs> um, yes. You know, you look at Harry Potter. Um, there was a lot of very fast paced scary situations in there that's considered middle grade but but is it, so, it, it now that you mentioned sorry sorry to interrupt but now that you mentioned harry potter is there also a difference between the united states and say europe what is considered uh, appropriate so. i think so okay. i think so mm -hmm. you know different readers different audiences mm. but you know on the other hand too we're an international society anyone could buy off amazon you know look, look at our um session today yep. where we're going Where we're meeting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Fascinating. Hmm. I think these age groups you're writing for are just a suggestion. You can mm -hmm. read it if you're old and you can read it if you're younger, if you're interested. Mm -hmm. And am I right to presume that for your books you have um, founded your own publishing house? I, I have. It's called Dylan's and Friend Publishing Company. And it's just what the name implies, Dylan and Friends. So um, what I want to be known for is to publish books that make your heart sigh. The kind of books where you're reading, you're enjoying them, um, but at the end you just go, oh. <laughs> and uh, that's the reaction of the first Dylan Dog Squad book, Dylan's Dilemma. You're going to like the story as a reader. I know you are. But in the end, you're just going to go, oh, oh, oh. And that's what I am striving for. So, yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
And it can be um, anything, middle grade, yeah. young adult. Yeah. Um, I haven't really gotten into picture book mm-hmm. in that respect, but I'm open to it. Mm, okay. And what would be your advice for those up and coming middle grade and young adult writers out there? Okay. Probably something they don't want to hear. Okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, writing is what you do best, but you absolutely need to have a professional editor. Absolutely need to have a professional editor. Um, you know your story so well. You know where it's going. You're mentally filling in all the cracks as you read it to yourself. Um, don't have someone you love read your work uh, because they're going to tell you, oh, yes, I like it. Oh, no, I don't. Tell me why. You know, t- what works for you, what doesn't. My editor, I'll give a plug. Her name is Deborah Halverson. And when we first met, had the impression she wasn't a doggy person <laughs> winning her over. Um, <laughs> but she would often ask me things like, do they have front you know, legs or are the front paws? And so it'd be things like that. And I'd start to think about it. Well, what does she think? But you need a professional editor, someone who loves you less, who's going to tell you, you know, this is not where the story needs to be going. Mm-hmm. In children's writing, you've got to move it along Adult attention span is only eight seconds. Just think how short it is for a child. Clip, 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 clip. In the first 250 words, your reader needs to know who your protagonists are, how old is he or she, what the problem is, and where is the setting? Where is this going? In the first 250 words, you better be moving that story along. And there shouldn't be any areas where it starts to drag, pull out like taffy. You want to have a chapter and on a hook where like when I was a child and I'm under the covers with a flashlight reading <laughs> parents are saying, Kathleen, put it away. How do you know that? Okay. <laughs> um, reading. <clears throat> and uh, I think that's the first bit of advice. The second advice is to read everything you can get your hands on. Be aware, look at what's out there, spend time with kids. A lot of times when I look at people who write middle grade or young adults, I'm thinking, you've never been around kids. Mm -mm. Uh, Or they try to write like a kid. First of all, no one can do it but a kid. It's just like no one can draw like a kid. Okay. But you need to bring it to your reader. So those things are important. Um, Get out there. The other thing to do, and again, I know this is the business end of it, but you need to think about how to make your book marketable. So example, I want to bring my readers to different areas and different opportunities. So I start off at Dylan's Dog Squad there in California, and I talk about Orange County. In the second book, I move them to Catalina Island. Um, The third book, they're at the San Diego Zoo. The fourth book, they're in Oahu. So I'm taking my readers around. The fifth book, I mentioned we're in Lake Arrowhead, Arrowhead, rather. The book coming up, they're going to be in Ireland. So start to expose my readers to different places. Again, where the child's going, gosh, I wish I could go there someday. Start to expose them to good, wonderful opportunities. I wish I could ride a horse. Gee, I would love to pet a sea turtle, okay? Are camels really that big? (laughs) Uh, All those possibilities. Or, hey, I bet I could learn to surf, okay? If a dog can do it, I can do that. Uh, So... Get them out there. Yeah. Expose them to opportunities. Kids 
geographically, now that I've said that, they don't particularly care so much, but they care about what they do when they're there. Mm-hmm. If I were to say, uh, gosh, we're going to France in the next one. Yeah. Okay. Hey, we're going to be on the Eiffel Tower and something just dropped off the side. Mm. Ooh, now what? Okay. The book coming up that's going to be in Ireland is going to have to do with smugglers. Mm-hmm. It's going to have to do with a castle, of course. Okay, how could you not have a castle? <laughs> Maybe something to do with folklore. Yeah, a little whimsy in there. Something where the kids find that interesting. Something that will take them out of their setting. So that's important, marketability. Um, the other thing, uh, writers need to know the difference between publication and distribution how to get your books into the hands of the reader, how to get traction. I never say no to anybody. If you want me for a school visit, if you want me for a career day, I'm your woman. I am there. People ask me, well, would you do this? Would you do that? I would do anything you want me to do. Okay. My father used to pay me to keep quiet. This is a perfect job for me. (laughs) No problem. Okay. That's good Uh, to know for future references. (laughs) Yes. Um, And uh, a lot of writers, they want to make money. Who doesn't? Okay. But I will do my school visits for free. Why? Because schools are on a budget. Two, I know as an educator, finances, resources are limited. All I ask is the opportunity to sell my books, um, to expose my books to the readers, okay, Mm -hmm. and get an audience. I think that's valuable. Um, I do a lot of book signings. I always get invited back. I'm so grateful. I am grateful and I am gracious to everyone there. They have their choices of thousands and thousands and thousands of authors and I get picked. And not only that, but I'm asked to come back. I couldn't be happier. And again, I couldn't be more grateful. So get yourself out there. It's like the old adage, if you want a friend, you need to be a friend. And the other thing too, as a writer, help somebody else. Mm. There is always something that you know that someone else doesn't know. And don't be afraid to ask. Again, do what you do best, right? I think for myself, I can do anything, but I can't do everything. I employ wonderful people who help me that I have confidence in. And I do not stand here by myself. There's a lot of people behind me and they deserve so much credit. And again, I'm extremely grateful every day for those people. I I, I couldn't do it without them. Mm. So get out there as a writer, but it's not a solitary existence. The writing is a solitary moment. It is, I guess, probably. It should be. (laughs) Um, I don't have a whole lot of time. My day starts at 3.30 in the morning, and it ends about midnight if I'm lucky. Um, I live with a pilot pen by my bed and half sheets of paper. I have insomnia, so I think up something in the middle of the night and I write it down. And when I have five minutes in the day, I get back to my story. I typically write in five-minute clips. I have scratch papers in my car as I'm writing. Um, when I'm on a light, you know, I'll, I'll make a notation, things like that. Um, but I seldom have pockets of time where I can just sit and write. And the irony is when I do have pockets of time, <laughs> I usually have no inspiration. It's like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but uh, I suppose uh, uh, traffic, uh, as opposed traffic jams are your friend. I'm sorry, pardon me? Uh, traffic jams are your friend. Yeah. I mean, 
Yes, absolutely. People talk about being stuck in traffic. Fine with me. Okay. <laughs> I can just sit there and think about it. You know, plot development. Here yeah, I go. Yeah, exactly. Probably because you're writing so um, short spans of time, it also helps to keep the story moving fast. Right. And that's usually where I think of ways for my boys to get into trouble and Dylan to get into trouble. <laughs> in, in the first book, again, things were going along smoothly. Dylan had all these triumphs. Well, okay, nice, but how boring is that? So um, Casey leaves him alone for five minutes at a fair and says, you know, it puts him in a little bike trailer. That's how they get around and says, you stay really quiet. And of course, Dylan gets dog napped. Okay, <laughs> and that opens up a whole new avenue in the story where Dylan is in with the bad guys and he ends up leading the police to them and, you know, all kinds of other things. But, yeah, that's usually where the detour uh, occurs mm-hmm. as I'm sitting in traffic jams or I'm at the dentist's office and yeah, everyone else is, you know, on their phone. I've got my laptop. Mm, yeah. What can I think of? <laughs> uh, two more questions. Question number one. Uh, since Dylan is a American Cocker Spaniel, and again, you grew up in the United Kingdom, what is your take on corgis? That's the first question. And the second question is, uh, can you uh, elaborate a little bit on your plans for the future? Okay. I love corgis. Well, I never met a dog I didn't like. Okay. <laughs> But um, corgis are highly intelligent. And they're very fast. I was talking to a friend the other day who wanted to get one. And I said, hmm, you're in an apartment and they need a lot of exercise. They were originally um, bred to hunt and go after animals and things like that. Um, don't leave anything knee high because it is theirs. So they will be a wonderful companion to you, but you need to be a wonderful companion to them too. You need to invest in that dog. They are not good for downtime. Um, so, but yes, they're, they're adorable. How could you not love something that looks like a little furry park bench? Okay. <laughs> um, and great personalities. Love, love, love corgis. Um, what are the plans for the future? Well, I plan to keep writing. Uh, I have to say, I love my life. You know, people <laughs> ask me, and I think I'm the luckiest person I know. I wake up every day and I'm doing exactly what I want to do. And <laughs> I was talking to a friend the other day, she's a psychologist, and she said, oh gosh, I'm so worried about my two-year-old niece. She's talking to her imaginary friends. And I said, I'm a children's book writer. I talk to them all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Look at how old I am, okay? <laughs> But I'm never lonely. Um, so imagination is wonderful. I'm glad I still have it. I'm glad it, I think it's getting ramped up on a daily basis. Again, carry over from my childhood where I'm always looking for something new and interesting, um, something to do. I, I look at lots of things as more than just an opportunity. I meet people and I think, oh, you'll be a good character in my book. Or, gee, I really like your name. I wonder <laughs> if I could use it in my book. And I always ask and they always say yes. <laughs> so I think doing more of what I'm doing, I think the Dylan's Dog Squad series could go on forever. They covers such a short period of time. I want it always to be summer because that leaves the boys and Dylan free to do all these things. And again, the, the book itself wraps up in about two or three days. So quick, quick, quick. Um, Never Believe a series. 
Um, it takes a little longer because it's a mature audience. But again, it wraps up fairly quickly within a couple of weeks. And that can go on for a while, but probably not too long. Maybe um, after the second book, there'll be a third book because that is just a way to balance it out. After that, I'm not sure. Maybe I'll start another series. Who knows? Oh. Right? If you can think it, you can write it. Definitely, absolutely. And for our listeners, I mean, if you are looking for a present for your children, absolutely. for your nephews, nieces, grandchildren, there you go. Dylan's Squad Series for middle graders or the Never Believe Series for young adults. And also for big children. Yes, yes, big children here, big child here, so absolutely. The Never Believe series sounds absolutely intriguing. Thank you. I think you'll enjoy it. Oh, I'm quite certain, because I did enjoy Dylan's Adventures in Hawaii. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Thank you. I'm, I'm a big child myself, so it's good. <laughs> Isn't that the best part of our personality? Yes, absolutely. Kathleen, is there anything else you would like our listeners to know? Just that I'm very grateful to you, and I hope you enjoy the series, and I would love to hear from you. Um, in all my books, there's a way to contact me with my website, www.kathleentroy.com. Um, send me emails. I would love to hear from you. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Teacup? More questions for guests? No, not from me either. So pick them up, buy them, read them for yourself, read them with your children, or together. Who knows? Thank you. You will enjoy them. Absolutely. So, Kathleen, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. It was my pleasure. You did enjoy this episode as much as we did? Then hit subscribe and don't miss the next episode. Also, make sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. If you like to support us and buy us a coffee, you can do so via Buy Me Coffee and other platforms. You can find all the necessary links in the description. Until next time.